It's showtime. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicon, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. This is the horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the Mary Wacky's any real-time madcap multimedia extravaganza. This is the horn chat room during the uh, three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round. And if you do pop into the aforementioned Mary Wacky Zany. Right now, as the program begins, you'll be greeted by the early arrivers. And that means uh, Anatole and Ralphs and Squeaky and Theo. Hey, gang. Glad to see you this evening. All capably moderated by Horn Chief Agronomist, Chief Mathematician, Bud Trimmer Emeritus, and Zimmergist Extraordinaire, Roger in Oregon. Hi, I'm Robin. It is... Uh, Thorn in the side Thursday here at the Horn, and I got a feeling that there is going to be no dearth of thorns, and we'll and we'll we'll dive right into it. But uh, every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. And so thanks go out to our 25th day of the month subscribers, and that means thank you ever so kindly. to uh, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And thank you to Peter. Thank you both for being partial sponsors of the program and helping to keep this all afloat. Thank you so much. And the bumper music's gone now, and I know my mic was low because it started out and I was pegging. I was overdriving the mic. The other term might be problematic. Uh, but uh, thanks, Arnold. Uh, thank you, though. Thank you to our subscribers for this day. Thank you to our, all, everybody that keeps all of this going. Uh, the countdown now, we are 10 days away from the horn turning 20 years old, which still boggles my mind. And we are, we are even for fundraising. 
So with uh, one, two, three, four, five broadcast days left, we'll just say that the fundraising goal to finish January is fifteen hundred bucks because that's where we stand, and we'll bring it down as much as possible. Uh, Ralph's challenge from yesterday remains on the table. That'll get us down to fourteen fifty. Again, the, uh, I've said it before, uh, the frequency of a little AM radio station I used to work at. But uh, thank you, Ralphs, for the challenge, and hopefully somebody will want to jump in on that. And We've got a fighting chance to finish January even, and that makes February so much more manageable. So thanks in advance to anybody who responds. Listen, y'all apparently, uh, yesterday was without a doubt perhaps the, the the most zany in nearly 20 years broadcasting here, the most zany prayer meeting Wednesday in the entire history of the horn. Holy smokes. And it, it, madness, pure mad. And I'm still hearing repercussions from what happened yesterday. Um. So, and thanks to those of you who said, who, who chimed in on it, um, had a lot of positive responses to it. Yeah, that's that's my world, and welcome to it. And uh, even had some, you know, there there can be people of faith who aren't insane. There can, there can be people who live their faith. There are Christians out there who actually try to live by Matthew 25. And some of them reached out to me in the last oh, 24 hours or so to let me know that they were entirely in my corner and that, uh, well, and this is true, um, those wackadoodles yesterday really do put Christianity and not just a bad light, a terrible light. Again, because, well, they do. But we sure did have a good time, didn't we? One one member of the West Virginia House of Delegates, a man by the name of Sean Fluharty, said, the irony is not lost on me that we have people using vulgar terms to describe women's body parts in the same building as people who are trying to limit what women can do with their body parts. I'm paraphrasing. It was something like that. And he's right. You know, the the hatred is always the purpose. So where do we go with this thorn in the side Thursday? Well, earlier today in the defamation trial in U.S. federal court in New York City, the jury watched in rapt horror as Nitwit Nero 
Well, he hadn't testified yet, and in fact, the plaintiffs put on the deposition video of him testifying under oath in his deposition. And what Lisa Rubin told MSNBC this afternoon was, uh, she, well, you'll hear. Jasmine kind of gave us a lay of the land, talked to us about Carol Martin's testimony today. But I'm very curious about the mood inside the courtroom and the reaction of Donald Trump as you saw it. You know, Donald Trump was very subdued today, Chris, relative to what he has been. Far less demonstrative, less whispering, certainly no audible statements that I could hear from my perch in the fifth row of the courtroom. But the most important thing that went on in the courtroom before lunch, to my mind, has nothing to do with live testimony. It wasn't Robbie Myers, who was E. Jean Carroll's boss at Elle magazine. It certainly wasn't Carol Martin. The most important thing that happened was the playing of all those video clips from prior depositions that Donald Trump has given, as well as statements that he made on the campaign trail. And in particular, we heard clips of his deposition, as I predicted, from the deposition he gave in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud length about the value of his brand, how much cash he has on hand, how he might value properties like Doral or Mar-a-Lago in comparison to his total portfolio. Overall, he was boasting upon boasting about his total net worth, and that's a factor that this jury will be called upon to consider in assessing what punitive damages are appropriate. This jury also saw extensive clips from the deposition that Donald Trump gave in this case prior to his potentially taking the stand later this afternoon. That deposition testimony not only included his doubling down on the defamatory statements that are at issue from June of 2019, but also included the moment where he was confronted with the photograph of Eugene Carroll and her then husband, John Johnson, meeting Donald and Ivana Trump in 1987. That moment, Chris, as you'll remember, is infamous because Donald Trump looks down, having already defamed Eugene Carroll, saying she's not his type, and yet mistakes Eugene Carroll in 1987 for his second wife, Marla Maples. The jury saw that as well. I think that was the most silent the room has been, was watching those clips from Donald Trump's deposition. And then, of course, there's the weird journalistic um, experience of watching Donald Trump watch Donald Trump and having practically zero reaction. That is fascinating. Let me ask you about this afternoon. Uh, critical. Will he or won't he testify? Did you get any indication from him or his lawyers about whether he still wants to do that and where the judge is on this? What kinds of questions he's going to want answered before he makes a decision? Well, this is a situation, Chris, where what the judge has in store for Donald Trump and what Donald Trump himself wants might be two very different things. Donald Trump has given all indicia of his intent to testify. Again, Susan Necklace, who is one of his criminal defense lawyers here in New York, already here today. His spokesperson, Steve Chung, in court. Boris Bershton, uh, I'm sorry, Boris Epstein in court, too. The Trump world is out in full force to watch this. On the other hand, Judge Lou Kaplan told everyone before the afternoon break, I want you, counsel, to come back at 1.50. The jury will have a little bit longer, but there's some matters I need to address with counsel before the afternoon. And really, those matters could only be those in respect of Donald Trump's planned testimony because there are no more witnesses. The only other thing that defense counsel could do beyond calling Donald Trump to the stand is introduce their own deposition clips, and to my knowledge, they're not planning to do so. 
So stay tuned. Watch ahead for what Judge Kaplan is going to decide he needs to do before and if Donald Trump takes the stand. But part of his power has been in not revealing what his plan is. Earlier today, one of E. Jean Carroll's lawyers got up and asked Judge Kaplan to force Alina Haba to make a proffer. That's an offer by an attorney. Tell us what the contours of Donald Trump's testimony will be before your client takes the stand was Ms. Crowley's request. And Judge Kaplan wouldn't make a decision on that. So I think he is maintaining tight control over his courtroom by not revealing to us what he's going to do and when. We'll have to learn after the lunch break, Chris. All right. So we're going to stand by for that. Eugene, worth reminding folks. And so after the lunch break, according to the alert that I got um, in my uh, email, I got an internet. It's a series of tubes. It's not a big truck. But according to the New York Times, Nitwit Nero, somewhere around 2.20 this afternoon, took the stand presumably one last time. And I can't imagine that it was anything other than uh, what did uh, what did Johnny Carson used to say? Weird, wild stuff. Weird, wild stuff. And I've been looking for some kind of account of just exactly what he testified to. Uh, thanks, Roger, for the link. It uh, I uh, I had it in the stack, but we may as well go to it since we're doing court stuff. Uh, yes, Emilio, yesterday was. What a delightfully obscene hearing. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, what delightfully obscene hearing are we listening to today, Robin? Well, it remains to be seen. I'm waiting for notice of the next one. Oh, and uh, uh, David in South Carolina, Stan, subject line, Vlad, Kremlin, talking about Texas. We're going to get to that, too. These secession movements originate with Kremlin, much as Brexit did. I'm considering moving to Maryland, even though I have no idea how I can accomplish it. South Carolina is set to allow everyone from the age of 18 to carry guns with no training, no background checks, and the law requires private businesses to allow this, even if the business does not want firearms in that private business. Look at big, intrusive Republican government exercising and imposing freedom! Wolverines on us all. And that, of course, is the Republican dichotomy. Freedom. But only for guns. Not for your body. Especially women. Particularly women. A big government that can tell businesses and what to do, but at the same time doesn't. Uh, at the same time, is small enough to fit to uh, fit into a woman's uterus. They are uh, they are a, a lot of absolutely stunningly amazing practitioners of cognitive dissonance. And uh, thank you, 
and you're right. This crap is all straight out of straight out of the Kremlin, David. Uh, but what I was uh, Peter Navarro has been sentenced to four months in prison for his contempt of Congress convictions. The statute under which he was convicted called for a mandatory minimum of one month in jail. I personally think the judge should have made the, the, the sentences run consecutively and not concurrently. But Judge Amit Mehta sentenced Navarro today to four months in the clink and ordered him to pay a fine of $9,500. Oh, come on. Really? $9,500? could not we make it a nice round 10? Ten grand, yeah, whatever. But the, inter- the, the 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 valuable part of this is that Judge Meta delivered a lecture to Peter Navarro that must have absolutely uh, made Peter Navarro want to scream. Among other things, he said, "Listen." I don't know that he said, listen, executive privilege isn't a magical incantation or a get-out-of-jail-free card or a get-out-of-a-subpoena card. Quoting Judge Mehta, he said, what I find disappointing is that in all of this, even today, there's little acknowledgement of what your obligation is as an American to cooperate with Congress, to provide them with information that they're seeking. Fine, you think it's a political hatchet job. It's domestic terrorists running the committee. They had a job to do, and you made it harder. Really is that simple. But then he leaned into it, Judge Mehta did. You are not a victim. You are not the object of a political prosecution. You aren't. You have received every process you are due. U.S. Attorney John Crabb making his argument for sentencing. They wanted six months said the U.S. Attorney's Office was committed to enforcing the law without fear, favor, or political influence and went on to say the prosecution of Peter Navarro has been righteous. And I don't mean like in righteous did. No. Just and civically admirable righteous. U.S. Attorney John Crabb said the defendant believes he is above the law, but no one is above the law. We are a nation of laws. The law, the rule of law is crucial to a functioning democracy. His pettifogger, Stanley Woodward, said that Navarro acted the way he did because he thought he was duty-bound to do it. No, he didn't think it. He believed it. And there is a distinction. In the sentencing memo, federal prosecutors said, like Stephen Bannon before him, throughout the pendency of this case, the defendant has exploited his notoriety through courthouse press conferences, his books, and through podcasts to display to the public the reason for his failure to comply with the committee's subpoena. A disregard for government processes and the law, and in particular the work of the committee. 
The defendant wrote a book on the very topic that was the subject of the committee's subpoena. He was happy to tell the world what he knew, but not Congress, and I'll add, and certainly not under oath. Well, immediately after the sentencing, Peter Navarro appealed the conviction to the uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. And moved for a stay of execution on the sentence, which Judge Mehta then said um, he would give the defendant and the prosecution a week to brief it and then come back and rule. Please, Judge Mehta, do not let this freak continue to, to walk free as the maggot judge did. With the man who looks like what rancid, how rancid hot dog water smells, you know Stevie three shirts, racist Bannon. Yeah, speaking of which, speaking of whom, uh. Last in, in, in yesterday's program, when we got done with all the zaniness, and we're talking a little bit about the New Hampshire primary, David in South Carolina, Stan, reminded us that Republicans in South Carolina had gone so far as to call Nikki Haley a towel head. And I said that I agreed that we can expect similar behavior from them because... A dog will return ever to its vomit. Sorry about that, diners in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. My bad. But we have evidence to suggest that I was right. The man who looks like how rancid hot dog water smells has gone after... Uh, Mrs. Governor, UN Ambassador, Secretary, or uh, Speaker of the House, Haley, on his rickety little podcast on Wednesday, racist Bannon said, after crushing defeat, Nikki Haley goes up, gives this phony victory speech, and mocks President Trump. You can see her in her full glory, the nastiness of what she came after President Trump with everything President Trump has been through, everything he's been through. To attack him like that shows you how no class she is. Yeah, because a guy who wears three popped collar polo shirts and looks like he shaves about every eh, two weeks or so, and his hair probably has a, you know families of mice and fleas living in it, he would be in a position to talk about class. What pissed him off so much, and what pissed off Nitwit Nero, were the jabs that Mrs. Haley is finally upset enough about to try to delicately, daintily, punch back. She said, 
the part the first party to retire its 80 year old candidate is going to be the party that wins this election. Now that's shitty, but then again, she is shitty and petty. The Republicans would be happy with her if she just just wasn't so damned brown and Asian. Because she went on and said, with Donald Trump, you have one bout of chaos after another. This court case, that controversy, this tweet, that senior moment, you can't fix Joe Biden's chaos with Republican chaos. Um, that's some chaos, that Joe Biden chaos. Unemployment falling. Inflation easing. Some of the most massive progressive policy victories in at least a generation, maybe two. Biden's chaos. Because, of course, Nimrata Randawa Nikki Haley is her own chaos agent. Now, I can't entirely disagree with the man who looks like how rancid hot dog water smells, but he, he did refer to Mrs. Haley as a bird brain. He's probably not too far off in that assessment. I mean, we've demonstrated on a fairly routine basis how Atne Ute Aitbrae she is, if you owe what I mean. Bannon burbled on and says, you want South Carolina, and trust me, they're going to go through her record in South Carolina, and not just her political record. They, uh, the maggots keep intimating, you know, their god emperor did it first, that, oh, you'll be hearing some things about Nikki Haley soon. Definitely hearing some things. Definitely things. And see, that podcast shouldn't even be existing because Bannon should be in prison. Without a doubt. Yeah, thank you, Ralphs. Um, an article... about Nitwit Nero's appearance in his case. Not his appearance in terms of, you know, looking like he was sculpted out of rancid butter. He was on the stand. Oh, well, thank you, Brother Deacon Asa. That... Uh, that addendum to Mrs. Haley's string of titles came yesterday, I think, uh, courtesy of uh, Brother Usher, Steve in New York. The Associated Press reporting 
that Nitwit Nero took the stand and was on it for all of three minutes. But even in those sparse three minutes, he still managed to spit on the judge's rules. And as he left the courtroom, uh, he was mumbling and burbling, This is not America! I didn't know you were a David Bowie fan, Orange Julius Geezer. He never, while he was on the stand for those scant three minutes, he never even looked at the jury. Juries notice those sorts of things. I like to think it was that pose where he's sitting in the chair and he looks like he's sitting on the toilet. You know the one. Like a petulant child. Because of the limitations put in place by Judge Lewis Kaplan, his pettifoggers basically were only able to answer yes or no questions. Nonetheless, even with simple yes or no questions, he still violated the rules of the court. She said something I consider to be a false accusation. I just wanted to defend myself, my family, and frankly, the presidency. And Judge Kaplan was having none of that and looked over at the jury and said, the jury will disregard those remarks. And Nitwit Nero, petulant child that he is, rolled his eyes and stepped down. And then left the courtroom and shook his shook his bobbling old head at spectators and three times said, "This is not America. This is not America. This is not America." Really, I like the. Uh, I like the David Bowie version better. I really do. And so, by the time he testified, of course, like I said, the jury had already seen the deposition testimony of him saying, Oh, look, it's murder. Right. I just had to sort of get that brain worm out of my head. No, I'm not going to turn around and play yesterday's track 
I'm not. I'm not. I swear I'm not. It's a battle. It really is. Andy Borowitz, the humor writer, said, In addition to a mental competency test, Nikki Haley should force Trump to take a makeup application test. Look, makeup is not easy. Oh, those early photos. And um, Ralph sent me an article from over at Democratic Underground. If Trump really is falling into a deep mental decline, what are the legal implications of that? Some of, the, some of it has simply to do with what the family does, and the family isn't going to do anything because they don't want to be written out of the will, even though he's probably incompetent to make one now. And, of course, with all of, all of the nuttery... Ah, it smells a little like something we've predicted here, that by the time he gets to trial, he'll be rolled in in a wheelchair with a plaid blanket on his lap, a Depends strapped to his ass, and a bib, and he'll be drooling like an old mob boss. Ugh. And the, uh, and the judge was rough on counsel for the parking garage today. Because she got busted. She asked for a delay in the trial because she had a fever and the Rona. But then she was seen out partying with Orange Julius Geezer in New Hampshire. And eventually the judge, uh, looking at her during a uh, questioning of a witness, uh, counsel for the parking garage, asked Robbie Myers, who had been the editor-in-chief at Elle magazine when Eugene Carroll was writing there, and she asked him about gossip and eventually said, what does it mean to be a legitimate journalist? I don't know, honey. What does it mean to be a legitimate lawyer? So that's being a fact-checking journalist? Objection. Sustained. So what? Counsel for the parking garage began, and Judge Kaplan said, I've ruled. Move on. No more questions. Oh, she's so pouty. (laughs) 
Steve in New York says, forget the makeup test for him. Get the Earl Scheib receipts. That or the Earl Scheib paint chips. The last time I saw that color of orange, it was on a 74 Vega. Uh, Arnold asks, is the South Carolina thing real? Guns on moss will not help anything. Of course it's real. All of these maggot states are, are the, the desirous for them to be armed madhouses. I mean, it's, it's not exclusively a matter of the South, Arnold. For instance, I think it's still legal in Oregon to carry your freedom protector right into the state capitol. as we have seen in recent years. Yeah, they like to call it constitutional carry. It isn't. What it is is, oh, short penis compensation. blue steel penis extenders. So so much world history arises out of male insecurity. This is worth noting. We are in decidedly hated times. An Arizona man, David Hansen, has been charged by the Justice Department for threatening a mass shooting at the University of New Mexico. He's also, but he's been, he's been charged with making death threats toward President Biden and Vice President Harris. He went on shitter and posted a shit. He went on X and posted an excrement. Hi, Flavia. Saying that Biden and Harris should either resign or be brutally murdered. Then he posted about wanting to bomb the White House. And then he posted the gif of the White House being blown up in the movie Independence Day. He operated under a screen name called Pop Your Cherry 24 and another one called Trump 2028 Six More. One tweet as a publication was still up that said of Vice President Harris, hashtag Kamala is dead. But yeah, in 2023 he threatened to do a mass shooting at the University of New Mexico. He was taking a film class there. And because of all those overlapping Venn diagrams, we got another one. Let's see. 
threatens to assassinate the president and vice president. Threatens a mass shooting at the University of New Mexico. Huh. I wonder what I wonder wonder what other horrible groups he's part of. Uh oh. A woman, a student at the University of New Mexico, filed a formal complaint on Mr. Hansen. The reasons for the compl- the reason for the complaint varied, but at some point the university pulled Hansen's admission and his student loans without getting Hansen's side of the incident. When speaking about this, Hansen again became very emotional. Hansen then stated that several days ago, the university reached out to Hansen to complete an investigation into the incident, including Hansen's side of the events. A day or so later, the university either needed to change the date of the online interview or changed its mind about the interview altogether. And Hansen said that living in Phoenix, he was trapped in hell and was trying to get to heaven. He needed someone to blame. He may uh, made a video. Said, "I'm rich and famous, movie producer, and my app is designed. That's a landslide victory. It ain't even close. Donald Trump is Ronald Reagan. Joe Biden is out of the White House. I told you, you should have nominated Gavin Newsom and Hillary Clinton. It's the Matrix. They're peasants, right? I will. I know." And holds up the three percenter, the three percenter gang sign. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I just swept y'all, and that's why the suns are eliminated. Woohoo! Get the butterfly net. But tensions are decidedly running high. And the Civil War talk is getting noisier and noisier. And I personally find it worrisome. I think I think the entirety of the Horn Family Community Congregation does as well. And the arm uh, the armchair armchair warriors of the Fourth Keyboard Division and Meal Team Six are barking and grunting about civil war. because of the shenanigans by Greg Asbot. over the border. Naturally, all of these uh, keyboard warriors won't uh, they, they, they want the shooting to start, but it's a case of typical right wing courage uh, come on you and them fight I don't know I'll be back here I'll I'll type about it yeah let's see what, what, uh, what are the what are some of the heroic names involved with this uh Someone described as an internet personality, Terrence Williams, having consumed Aspot's 
statement about triggering Texas freedom. Uh, this clown has 1.7 million followers, and he's all caps, Civil War is coming soon. And made a video and posted it online. You're trying to start a civil war. You got everybody in the state of Texas all bent up. Nah, honey, I think they're all bent up without any help from President Biden. It's not a particularly sane place. Some uh, some goober named Carmine Sabia said, Joe Biden's about to start a civil war over his treasonous handling of the border. And a right-wing podcaster named Graham Allen... Allen asking, has civil war officially begun? Oklahoma and Texas are now defending America. Of course, monkey up DeClantis and Kevin Stitt, the governor of Oklahoma, stand. Not to mention the Virginia governor, Glenn Youngkin, have all said that, uh, oh, we support Greg Asbot and we will continue to assist Texas. Earlier today on social media, I saw some asshats. Every state needs to send their National Guard to help in Texas. Do these numbnuts not realize that at the stroke of a pen, Joe Biden can federalize them, and then if they continue to persist in their treasonous behavior, court-martial their asses, and await 11 worth they go, Yeah, even here, in puny, broke, beat down, blasted, West by coal, Virginia stand, people are grunting about how, oh, Big Jim needs to send our National Guard to the southern border. And honestly, and this is just this is just me sort of thinking out loud. And I understand the politics of the situation. The politics are not great. The optics are not great. But if this shit continues, Joe Biden really probably must federalize the Texas National Guard and take Greg Asbot's little play pretty away from him. The uh, account on what was formerly Twitter, known as Chuds of TikTok, which is a liberal account that Skewers, right-wing asshats, said, Meg is really horny for a civil war. Texas Democrats are calling on President Biden to take action. And the problem is immigration 
is beginning to eclipse inflation because inflation is easing as a pressing concern among likely voters. 35% of Americans in a Harvard CA, uh, Caps-Harris poll, 35% of Americans said it was their number one issue. 32% of people said inflation is. You know what my number one issue is? Preserving preserving the republic in the face of all this dipshittery. That's what. And since we're talking about Texas, let's take a look at this, too. Because this is, in fact, telling. The University of Houston's Institute for Research on Women, Gender, and Sexuality noted that last year, for the first time in 15, so that would be for the first time since... 2008, so that would mean the end of the dim leader era and and then the beginning of the eight years of Barack Obama. Texas's teen birth rate, teenagers giving birth, well, it was falling and falling and falling, and now it's on the way back up thanks to the, you know, thanks to the fact that Republicans are bizarrely and disgustingly fascinated with fetuses and with controlling the reproductive organs of people capable of becoming pregnant. And the largest increase in take SAS was 1.2% among Hispanic teens. At present, the rate stands at 27.56 births per 1,000 births. Curiously enough, non-Hispanic white teens had a fall from of 5%, from 11.71 births to 11.13 births per thousand. Hmm. I wonder if that. I wonder if. I wonder if privilege. And the ability to take care of little problems out of state might have something to do with that. Because among black teens, the teen pregnancy rate rate rose from one half of 1%, going from 22.29 to 22.41. And it also rose among Asians. Every, the, the teen birth rate is going up for every, everybody but white kids. That's the great replacement theory, y'all. But it's the abortion ban, purely and simply. Elizabeth Gregory, director of the organization doing the study, the Institute for Research on Women, Gender, and Sexuality, said, we don't see any other reason except for the abortion ban. And as Gregory said, 
lawmakers in Texas really should start thinking about the real effects of policy decisions. Travel to access abortion in other states requires money, time off work, and in many cases, child care. The need to care for children already at home might be a key factor in the rising birth rates among women 25 and older. Of course, it's worth remembering that Texas is the has the highest number of uninsured people in the entire country because Texas just doesn't think that much of its people, at least not the, the ones that aren't white. And Latinos, Latinx people, are least likely to have health insurance in that benighted state. You know what? Instead of calling themselves the Confederate States, all these maggot states could change their name to the Benighted States of America, living in a perpetual darkness. Stephen New York says 35% are concerned about the border. I wonder if that 35 of that 35%, how many actually live anywhere near the border? Well, I know maggots in West Virginia are terribly concerned about it. And the only people we share a border with are Virginia, Kentucky, and across our river is Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. So, uh, what else? Well, I mentioned the, the Civil War talk, and the guy who is already under indictment for stoking an insurrection on January 6th is apparently trying to get another one going. He went ranting on Tripe Social just a little bit ago. where he said that governors in maggot states should send troops to Texas. When I was president, we had the most secure border in history. No, he didn't. Fucking liar. Joe Biden has surrendered our border and is aiding and abetting a massive invasion of millions of illegal migrants into the United States. Believe me. Instead of fighting to protect our country from this onslaught, this onslaught, this onslaught, Biden is unbelievably fighting to tie the hands of Governor Abbott and the state of Texas. Sounds like a pretty good idea. So that the invasion continues unchecked. In the face of this national security, public safety, and public health catastrophe, Texas has rightly invoked the invasion clause of the Constitution and must be given full support to repel the invasion. Ah, there's not really an invasion clause. Unfortunately, there's also not a sanity clause. There ain't no sanity clause. We encourage all willing states to deploy their guards to Texas to prevent the entry of illegals 
and remove them back across the border. All Americans should support the common sense measures by Texas authorities to protect the safety, security, and sovereignty of Texas and of the American people. When I am president on day one, instead of fighting Texas, I will work hand-in-hand with Governor Abbott and other border states to stop the invasion, seal the border, and rapidly begin the largest domestic deportation operation in history. Those Biden has let in should not get comfortable because they will be going home. Believe me. <sighs> Largest domestic deportation operation in history. Hmm. He wants a purge. I wonder how many American citizens whose skin happen to be coppery or brown will get caught up in that. And there's nothing common sense about wanting to do every horrid thing possible to people just for trying to flee the chaos in their own lands. Good. And, you know, asylum seekers. That's a thing. No, 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 Ralph, he didn't. I, I was, that was me. Onslaught, the onslaught, the onslaught. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. Uh, they did. Flavio says they federalized the National Guard in Arkansas to integrate Little Rock schools, right? Biden should federalize the Texas Guard and any other state that tries to defy the federal government. Apparently, they don't teach much much civics or government in Texas or these white supremacists would know about the supremacy clause of the Constitution. Oh, they know. And Asbot's leaning on Article 10 of the Constitution. Or, I mean, the Tenth Amendment. I'm sorry. And that is an absolutely specious argument. It's the Texas Supremacy Clause. About those births, Flavio says, a newly published JAMA study estimated more than 26,000 rape-related pregnancies in Texas in the 16 months since the state outlawed abortion. Uncle Daddy! Yeah. And not just that, but... Huh. In all these maggot states, it's open season on women's bodies. So Greg Aspot says he won't back down. But you wonder if the Texas National Guard really does want to engage in gunplay with the federalities. And what I was alluding to earlier, I, I am, I'm worried about this entire dispute.
I'm worried about it because it, there, there's a flavor of, uh, or, or a, an echo, a reminder of the way that we sat back and ignored an insurrection at the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Oregon years and years back. And if I recall during that uh, during that, that that standoff, a lot of people were fairly begging Barack Obama to federalize some National Guard, send them in, blow them away, and say, so may it ever be with insurrectionists. But we didn't. Eventually, one asshole got shot because he was actually reaching for a gun. And, well, it, and it wasn't one of those usual police black guy reaching for his wallet. Just, well, I thought he had a gun. No. This was a this was this was a Second Amendment patriot, and the minute he the minute he reached, they shot, and a rabid and a rabid animal went down. But every time we blink at this kind of behavior, we make it more likely. And I go back to what we said after January sixth: an unpunished failed insurrection becomes becomes a dress rehearsal for the one that succeeds oh well thank you uh, speaker of the house Haley thank you for well thank you for the cowbell it's not mine like I said that was Steve's but thank you brother Deacon uh, MILF, mentally ill fascist shortcomings. Todd says, at one time, mushroom caps were seen as a delicacy. But unfortunately, they're now relegated to thoughts of tertiary syphilis and rotten flesh. And a miasma of body odor and poop and cosmetic fragrances. Ugh. Well, okay, y'all are generous with the cowbells this evening. Lou and P.A. says, give yourself a cowbell for there ain't no sanity clause. Stole that one from the Marx Brothers. Chico, as a matter of fact. Groucho going over a contract with him. That's just your standard sanity clause. Chico says, ah, you can't fool me. I know there's no sanity clause. You know, for my own mental health, I should probably sit down and just watch The Bank Dick and, you know, W.C. Fields and Night at the Opera, Day at the Races, Duck Soup, and just kind of make it all go away for a little bit. David in South Carolina stands as uh, caravans. Soon we will see caravans heading north from Central America as often as, as, often as we saw Al-Qaeda Negotiating monkey bars, but did not a, cons- a conservative Supreme Court rule? It was not Biden. No, it wasn't. It was, in fact, and and I saw a write up on this. And sometimes I just run across phrases in, in, in journalism that make me go. Orf. 
and I saw a reference to the recent Supreme Court ruling, and it said, a divided Supreme Court ruled. Well, there are very few, relatively speaking, nine-nothing decisions. And so to that extent, the Supreme Court's always divided. But no, what it should have said was uh, the majority, a majority of the Supreme Court ruled. Five to four is still five to four. And the fact that Amy, Co- uh, Amy Covid Barrett, the handmaid, and old balls and strikes Roberts crossed the line and voted with the decent people on the court, Tangi Brown-Jackson, Sonia Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, is a strong indication of how strong the argument from the Biden administration was. And the president has the right to be the president. And, and dealing with the border is one of those president and things. See, that's the thing that Greg, Greg Asbot doesn't understand. A policy difference is not an abdication of authority. It, it, it just isn't. But try telling that to the maggots. Because, see, they want it. And then, I mean, we've been dealing... uh, We've been dealing with stories out of Texas. Now, make no mistake... Chip Roy of Gonorrhea Gulch, Texas. You know, it's been so long since I saw the actual name of where he's from that I've forgotten what Gonorrhea Gulch and Syphilis Springs and Herpes Holler stands uh, stands in for. But nonetheless, uh, Chip Roy of Gonorrhea Gulch, Texas, who was most recently seen on the floor of the House saying, I invite any of my colleagues to come down here, my brother and sister Republicans, come down here and tell me what this Republican majority has accomplished since we've had it. Nothing. Nothing. Now, you'd never want to get... You'd, this guy and power should never go together. And remember, he's a, he's a feedum carcass guy, so that means he's supposed to be a persistent ring kisser of Nitwit Nero, but now he's pissed off at Rana Romney McDaniel. I never mentioned the Romney part, but I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let us forget it. Rana Romney McDaniel and the RNC, as early as next week, may try to coronate Nitwit Nero as the <clears throat> presumptive 2024 nominee. Not giving a damn that Mrs. Haley is still in the race. NBC News got hold of a draft resolution. It said, all evidence negates the possibility of a mathematical path forward to the 2024 Republican nomination by any candidate other than President Trump. They have to call him President 
Trump, our presumptive nominee. Well, somebody over at Fox News TV Radio Rwanda actually booked Chip Roy of Syphilis Springs, Texas to appear with uh, Neil Cavuto. And Chipper wasn't happy with the news. I did touch on very briefly, sir, of this RNC move to make Donald Trump the presumptive nominee. Uh, Nikki Haley has criticized that move, essentially saying, let the voters in the Republican Party decide that. Uh, I know Ron DeSantis was your candidate, not Nikki Haley. um, But I'm just curious what you make of that. Is that a little too soon to be making anyone a presumptive nominee? Well, first, let me say that I think Nikki, with all due respect, he kind of represents that old guard of the Republican Party that I just was kind of lambasting that's big spending and all defense and, you know, uh, endless wars. I think we need to move a different direction. I think President Trump represented in 2016 a challenge to the establishment, a, you know, challenge to drain the swamp. But I don't think we should be coronating somebody. I went out and campaigned in Iowa. We don't coronate people. You know, we don't just choose somebody and, you know, you get anointed. Uh, Go through the process. Go earn it uh, because it makes you sharper in the general election. So, uh, you know, if he doesn't think that he has anything to worry about, then don't worry about it. Go campaign and go win. Uh, He should be able to win in South Carolina uh, based on, I think, the electorate in South Carolina. So we should proceed with the electoral process. And uh, if he's ultimately the nominee by votes, then he should be supported as the nominee for the Republican Party. But you got to go earn it. You don't just get coronated. Got it. Um, Congressman, always good seeing you. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, great. Love it. But you kind of give him like a half a point for daring to say that his own party shouldn't rewrite its own rules just to placate a pestiferous, pestilential, pusillanimous. Oh, we're working the peas tonight, aren't we? Toddler. Okay, that's that's funny. Randy Radar saying that earlier David Hansen story sounds like a mashup of David Jensen of the Fugitive fame and Chris Hansen of Underage Girls Dateline fame. I love the way our hive mind works. And now that we are into the second hour of the uh, filler rockster, uh, Ralphs does have a challenge on the table that'll get a, that if somebody will meet $25, she'll double it and get us down to 1450 to go to finish the month of January. So fingers crossed if any of you would like to jump in. And I try to I try to announce uh, you know money that comes in as it comes in uh, unless we're smack dab in the middle of a conversation or something cuz I like for y'all to know that you know, you're making a difference. And since I spent an inordinate amount of time yesterday on the madcap goings-on in the West Virginia legislature, I would be remiss 
If I did not take note of the recent babblings of Joe to the mansion born, he was recently going on and on about how he supported the Inflation Reduction Act. Little fuckers campaigning. By the way, as a member of the Senate, Joe Manchin is one of only two who has not signed on to a call for a two-state solution between Israel and Palestine. The other one, and uh, Stephen New York told me about this, the other one is John Fetterman. I explained it by saying, listen, of course Joe Manchin doesn't support a two-state solution. There's nothing about a two-state solution that benefits anyone named Manchin. Now, if someone named Manchin could make a buck out of a two-state solution, you would you could you could bet your last dime on him supporting it, but there's there's no benefit to a Manchin in that because Mansions are the only things that matter to, well, mansions. So he was blathering on about the Inflation Reduction Act. I enjoyed seeing the latest cars and trucks at the DC Auto Show. I'm especially proud that thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, many new EVs will be fully assembled in North America and have battery components and minerals sourced from the U.S. and reliable partners. Hmm. There must be some benefit to a mansion in those uh, North American assemblies and battery components and minerals sourced from the U.S. and reliable partners. Uh, do EVs need coal? to be produced, I'm just asking. Because that would perhaps be a benefit to someone named Manchin. You know, particularly Joe. Nonetheless, two days ago, Ah, uh, there was, there was Joe to the mansion born. Because the Biden administration has a policy about the qualifications for an electric vehicle charger tax credit. And said, uh, uh, the Biden administration released guidance last week that offers a broad definition of non-urban, including any census tract where at least... 10% of blocks have not been designated as urban areas. That was in the Hill. Ultimately, the tax credit will be available to about two-thirds of Americans. So Joe Manchin responded and said, It's just another example of a long line in this administration's attempts to force electric vehicles on Americans and spend money that Congress didn't account for and doesn't have in the budget. So he doesn't support a tax credit for chargers, 
because there, well, there's no benefit to someone named Mansion in it that he's figured out yet. And he is in favor of manufacturing or assembling EVs in the United States because presumably there's some benefit to someone named Mansion in it. And he's still playing footsie about and being too cute by half about whether he's going to mount a third-party run. No labels! Uh, Super Tuesday pretty much confirms whatever is going to happen. What we believe will happen. And we'll see where we go from there. The people are looking for options, and we're going to be looking at that too. Whether it's me or whoever it may be, it's going to be me. I think there's going to be options available if it goes down the way it's going down. Because Joe Manchin would probably would, would like to see, I guess. Tangerine Tiberius back in the White House. And that in itself says a ton about Joe Manchin. Because Nitwit Nero doesn't give a tinker's damn about Appalachia. And less than a tinker's damn about West Virginia specifically. Unless he can come here and get the uh, get the get the mouth-walking, knuckle-breathing faithful to come in and watch him wear a hard hat and pretend to pantomime to shovel coal. I love the fact that Nitwit Nero thinks how we that's how we produce coal. That men go down in the mines with picks and shovels and hand-load cars. You know, like a hundred years ago, shooting coal, shooting coal. Uh, you are correct, Stephen New York, the filler Aren't you in the eighth straight hour of filler I'm in the eighth consecutive hour of filler I I don't know if it's straight or not. Don't tell Sally Radabomb. And as to Mansion and EV, Steve adds. I suspect he's coming out in favor of them to make himself look reasonable in his presidential run, which, of course, he hasn't decided on yet. Yeah, I suspect. Well, it's that, or, you know, he's got some stock in Ford, GM, Fiat, Chrysler, Tesla... One gets the idea he would probably get along famously with Leon Scum. That's an interesting, and that's that that too is interesting, Ralphs, because there have long been spasms in this state and legislation that results from said spasms of the coal industry 
pontificating against electric vehicles. And the West Virginia Car Dealers Association also braying and barking and grunting. But as Ralphs points out, well, a question for at EV adoption. Are EVs charged mostly by coal power in the U.S.? The answer given, uh, no. One of the common arguments you hear from people in America who are not fans of the idea of electric vehicles is that they are mostly charged from electricity produced from coal power plants. And hence, while electric vehicles themselves produce zero carbon emissions, charging them increases the amount of electricity generated from fossil fuel energy sources such as coal. So, therefore, EVs are bad. But as it turns out, the states with the highest EV sales tend to have the greenest grids. For instance, California at 7.84% is at 47%. Uh, green gridded Washington State 79% of their energy comes from green sources and 4.28% of cars are EVs by far and away California has the highest EV adoption rate in the nation but the top 10 are California Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Hawaii Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, Maryland, and Arizona. How about that? With the exception of Arizona, Stan, all of those are, again, sometimes the Venn diagrams just overlap. And in this case, the overlap comes in so-called safe states for pregnant women, for LGBTQ people, and lo and behold, electric vehicle usage. I guess you'd kind of win the trifecta if you were a pregnant trans man driving an EV in California. Sorry, it's just my brain. But in fact, electric vehicles have lower well-to-well emission, well-to-wheel emissions in all 50 states and D.C. than any gasoline-powered vehicle. Now, on the other hand, to be quite blunt, if I had an all-electric vehicle and plugged it up every evening, I would be charging it on coal-fried electricity because Appalachian Electric Power is, in fact, coal-fried. That's how that plays out. But it doesn't make EVs 
less of a good because it still outstrips gasoline power in terms of emissions and climate change. Speaking of which, climate change, oh my heavenly days. Uh, I got ready to go out today, stepped briefly outside and went, oh no. Granted, it was gray and the skies were leaden, but there wasn't much wind. It was 65 degrees. We've had a net change of some 50 degrees Fahrenheit in the past week. In the dead of winter. And no, weather is not climate. But these kinds of climate extremes are exactly what the climate change model predicts. Much more of this, and I'll start hearing the peepers at night. Precious little frogs. And I'll be standing outside going, no babies, no. Go back to bed. Get a drink of water and go back to bed. It's not time to get up yet. It's not time to sing the song of your people. The song of the the song of the peeper people being, I want to get laid, I want to get laid, I want to get laid. But it's a sweet little song. As to spending, no, no really, babies get. Uh, little jonquils, do not poke your little green heads. Up. There, we had a foot of snow on the ground last week. There's not a bit of it left. And everywhere you step, it squishes. Now, uh, David in South Carolina stands, subject line, spending. GOP administrations always spend like proverbial drunken sailors when in power and leave the economy in shambles, yet always talk a good game about how they're competent economic managers and somehow get a majority of people to believe them. Uh, I, I think the word you might be looking for there is get a majority of rubes to buy in. Remember, as we go through this harrowing year, 2024, that come November, we will in fact have once again our quadrennial single question IQ test. And there's only one right answer. It is entirely pass-fail. And, you know, if you go back to, oh, say, 1992, the United States of America, curiously enough, has on, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, on five occasions, passed the quadrennial IQ test. No. Six. Seven. Since 1992, seven of the presidential elections have yielded the right answer on our IQ test. In two of those instances, however, the intelligence of the American people was thwarted by the racism of the framers. And that 
anachronism that 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 disgusting anachronism from 1787 the electoral college but still 2024 is one whopper of an IQ test Uh, Emilio notes, also, EVs are more energy efficient per mile than gas cars because of regenerative braking and the fact that electric motors produce less heat waste and probably other factors. Agreed. Our dear friend Alan down in Texas uh, can uh, say a lot about that because he's been an EV adopter from way back. And... First time I the first time I ever rode in an EV. It was with uh, Dr. Allen, and I love that Chevy Volt. It's amazing. And I've wanted one for a very long time, even a hybrid. I mentioned the uh, the RNC moving to declare their pasty, sweaty, orange god emperor the presumptive nominee. And we heard from Chip Roy of Herpes Holler, Texas. Well, Mrs. Haley is uh, nonplussed. Uh, David Drucker writing said that the head of Citizens United, David Bossy, who has been a member of Nitwit Nero's campaign team, was the one who introduced the proposal at the RNC. David Drucker writing, His effort to put the National Party on a general election footing behind Trump follows RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, that's Ronna Romney McDaniel, David Drucker, saying after the former president defeated Haley in Tuesday's New Hampshire primary that it was time for Republicans to unite behind the front runner and focus on defeating President Joe Biden. Over at Semaphore, Dave Weigel noted that Mrs. Haley then offered up her own statement. Who cares what the RNC says? We'll let millions of Republican voters across the country decide who should be our party's nominee. Not a bunch of Washington insiders. Well, those Washington insiders just get hell. I mean, Nitwit Nero goes after them. The ambassador to Bonomo goes after them. 
And yet somehow one gets the idea that both Nitwit Nero and the Ambassador de Bonomo want to be Washington insiders. But Nikki wasn't done because Nikki knows how to do Mean Girl. If Ronna McDaniel wants to be helpful, she can organize a debate in South Carolina. Unless she's also worried that Trump can't handle being on the stage for 90 minutes with Nikki Haley. Uh, David in South Carolina, Stan, could you answer a question for me, please? The South Carolina primary, which is coming up, what, in two weeks? Um two weeks from this past Tuesday. What are the rules for who can vote in which primaries there? Is it a typical southern state where it's just wide open so that both parties can screw with the other party's um, electoral results, or do you have to be a registered Republican or an independent? Or uh, what? And if you're listening still, I will wait for your answer. Because it could matter. As we saw in New Hampshire, with Joe Biden not even on the ballot, he's still one going away, uh, beating uh, the uh, the former beer brewer, Dean Phillips, and Princess Moonbeam, Marianne Williamson. But if it's one of those wide-open southern primaries... It could get downright interesting if understanding that Joe Biden will be, is the incumbent and will be the nominee of the Democratic Party, a whole shit ton of Democrats decided to cross over and vote in the South Carolina primary. And there's our answer. Thank you, David. It's wide open. Yes, shenanigans permitted. So that then begs the question, what would Democrats do? We know we know that the Biden administration wants to run against Nitwit Nero. Would it be entirely too nauseating for a mass... Well, and Todd says, yes, South Carolina has an open primary. What, what then would happen if Democrats decided to shenanigan around with the South Carolina primary? Would there be a benefit in crossing, uh, crossing the ballot to vote for Nimrata just to keep her viable? And not even so much viability, but just to continue to stoke the stroke? Because if he gets numbers in South Carolina that look anything like New Hampshire, where he only wins by about 11 points, that's going to mean that there's still, or that there appears to be a groundswell, or at least a low-rent surge, of people who sincerely do not want 
Mango Mussolini as the Republican nominee. I got to confess, it could be fun. Or if they just say, hey, Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, I'm going to go vote for Trump just to make sure he is, too. And with the the Haley camp calling for the RNC to compel a date, or a debate, a date for a debate, well, some of this was on the minds of the morning zoo crew there at my filthy morning habit. Out there and just threw a temper tantrum. He pitched a fit. He was he was insulting. He was doing what he does. But I know that's what he does when he's insecure. I know that's what he does when he is threatened. And he should feel threatened, without a doubt. It also goes back to why I've continued to push for mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75. And so he got upset and he said that he would take one and he'd challenge me to one and that he would beat me. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But what I said is, okay, well, if that's the case, then get on a debate stage and let's go. Bring it, Donald. Show me what you got. So why- oh, no, Nimrata, you don't want him to show you what he's got. He's done that with other women, and, well, now he's at least $5 million in the hole to one of them. Although I do wonder. I wonder how Nikki will feel when she's 75 and her grandkids start saying, I I think grandma's slipping. I am not. Ah, come on. Come on, Grandma. Come on, Grandma Nim. Give us the car keys. Your driving days are over. I bet she'll, come on, remember, you wanted competency testing for politicians over 75. You're still a politician, because she will be. Why is Donald Trump scared? He's petrified, actually, to get on a debate stage with a woman. Because he he looks down on women so much. Well, I don't understand why, you know, if she's, what what do you say? She's stupid, she's this, Mm -hmm. she's that. If that's the case... Is it because he is old and because he, he thinks he's old and he thinks that he's he's losing his mind and he's afraid he's going to confuse her for Nancy Pelosi again? Like, why is Trump scared to death of Nikki Haley? I think because Nikki Haley is right there just waiting <laughs> to see what shoe drops, to see what happens. Um, and so to an extent, what Nikki Haley represents is the last best hope for the Republican Party if all of a sudden Donald Trump is taken off the stage because of his legal problems. Well, so I think that kind of like, that's like right there in wait his Wait a head, minute. Yeah, you but, know? But, but Willie. Hi, Mika. Hey. Because we said that last night. They might want to have someone in reserve just in case he winds up going to jail or, you know, 
somebody finally finishes stoking the stroke. Hey, Mika, love your hair. Cute cut. A pixie works for you. Come on. He's scared. He's scared to debate because he doesn't think he just doesn't think he can. He I, or I'm sure his campaign people are like, God, we let him out on. A- it, it, Joe, just stop with he doesn't think. And it's not so much that he doesn't. He can't anymore. Stage with in front of a teleprompter and he confuses Nikki Haley and yeah. Nancy Pelosi, Barack Obama. He thinks Barack Obama's president of the United States, thinks he ran against him and be like they. So they're horrified of the prospects of Donald Trump on a debate stage with Nikki Haley because I guess they don't think he's mentally fit. Yeah. Think about when is the last time you saw Donald Trump have to perform on his feet, meaning take a question from a voter, debate someone, do something where he had to be prepared and to react to something. They don't put him in those situations anymore. It's not when you stand in front of an adoring crowd and vomit conspiracy theories and confuse Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. That's not acting on your feet. That's giving a speech. They don't want him in those scenarios. And it it is a fair question. Why not? Go to Charleston, go to Columbia, go to South Carolina and have a debate with Nikki Haley. I also would point out, guys, that last night may seem like a small distinction, but different from even what we saw in New Hampshire a couple of nights ago. Nikki Haley walked on the stage and started going after Donald Trump. Those comments were at the yeah. top of her speech where previously she's they made were, a decision. They were a little apologetic, frankly, when even when we mm-hmm. saw her in New Hampshire and they came very late in the speech. I served in his administration. I was proud to serve under him, but chaos seems to follow him. Now she walked on the stage, took the mic and went after Donald Trump. And we'll see. Uh, fundraising uh, has been there for her in the last 24 hours since that result in New Hampshire, where she came in second. She raised a million dollars from 200,000, uh, the campaign says, separate donors. In all 50 states, wow. 95% of the donations, 200 bucks or less. So these are not the mega donors. The campaign also says Haley will be in New York early next week for several Wall Street fundraisers. That news clearly has gotten under the skin of Donald Trump, who is now threatening to blacklist all donors to Nikki Haley. Trump posting on social media, anyone making a contribution to Haley, quote, will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. We don't want them and will not accept them because we put America first and always will. Haley, for her part, responded, writing, well, they're right. He cannot withstand the pressure of any situation that calls for him to be able to extemporize. I mean, he wanted to extemporize in court, but he wasn't allowed to. And that's more just, that's not even extemporizing, that's obfuscating. His people can't even let him loose to be adored by his own sycophants. President Trump, I just love you and wish I could have babies because I'd have one for you. God alone knows what he would say. Hey, you're not in the cape. Uh, Ken, up in Northwest PA, says of uh, Nikki, maybe she's betting on the he ain't going to make it till November. She also seems to have money and just wait for the commercials. As uh, David in South Carolina stand told us, she's got a $4 million ad buy down there. 
and $4 million will buy a lot of ads over the course of a couple of weeks. The question is, will her ads have any teeth? And with an opposing opinion, Stephen New York says, Trump afraid of Haley? No, he's not smart enough to be scared. He doesn't think he needs to debate. The polls are bearing that out. Why should he? Fair enough. But the thing is, the longer he doesn't have any sort of unscripted public interaction, I think the more the more the concerns are going to mount up. Oh, and blacklisting donors? Really? Have you met Donald Jesus Trump? Yeah, anybody who... Yeah, anybody who... Uh, but what does that mean? Uh, you won't get to be ambassador to Bonomo? I... I No, what it means is if he were to re-enter the White House, they wouldn't be allowed to get their front feet in the trough and try to get the back ones in, too. And then, of course, speaking of South Carolina, there's Ralph Nauman of South Carolina, Stan, who got into it with Caitlin Collins of CNN. And he's... Uh, feeling a bit... I don't know, stressed, cranky? as well. You just mentioned that you talked to Trump after uh, when you said you were going to endorse her. I wonder what you made of his speech last night where he claimed that she said she won when she congratulated him on his win. He made fun of her outfit. You know, he implied that she'd be under investigation if she did win the Republican nomination. What did you make of how angry he was? I didn't understand it. I mean, he won. I mean, he won New Hampshire as he did Iowa. And I know President Trump. Um, you know, I've, I've loved his policies. I like him as a person. Now, last night, it really surprised me. And I'm one that the, the, the press has always asked me about, you know, is it his comments he makes, the names he gives people. It's actually funny uh, with Pocahontas, like uh, Low Energy Jeb, like uh, Little Marco, all those names, he can get away with that. Uh, but last night was a little bit more cutting, that, and it really surprised me, really. I mean, to make fun of somebody's dress, um, and the way Tim Scott, you must hate Nick Hill, you know, I, I didn't understand that. But look, Donald Trump has been successful. Uh, he can say what he wants, and you're not going to change him, I'll tell you that. Well, he calls her bird brain. I think people would say that that's classic Trump. But Congressman, you know, one thing that you have said on the campaign trail for Nikki Haley repeatedly when questioned about what is her path to victory is you talk about the voters and you say the voters should be the ones to decide. Obviously, everyone agrees with that. 
But, you know, when you talk about what the voters decide, I have to ask you, because you and I have never spoken before in an interview, about a text message that you sent to Mark Meadows. It was three days before President Biden was inaugurated, and you were urging the White House to use the U.S. military to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. Do you regret sending that message? The only thing I regret, I misspell uh, martial law. I, I misspell that. No, I didn't. I didn't. Won't, I, I, look, everything happened so quick in that election. Uh, the time that was given to see if the ballots were real, see if, uh, you know, you've seen 2,000 mules. Uh, most people have. There's a lot of questions. What's that was wrong with created by time? a guy that Trump and pardoned. I Created by who? Wasn't that created by a guy that Trump pardoned? I mean, the point of it is that movie is not based in reality. There is no, no election fraud, and their uh, courts have proven that. Republican judges that were appointed by Republican presidents ha have noted that. I mean, there was no elect, there was no evidence of that by okay. the time January 17th rolled around, Congressman. Well, there were questions, as you know, there were questions throughout the election. No, process. there weren't. Uh, what happened in Georgia was unusual. What happened in Arizona was unusual. Look, I talked to the Congress people uh, that serve those particular states. But, uh, no, I don't regret that um, at all. And it's still questions that linger today. But uh, the, if, and we Sir, have got to get our Sir, what questions are there that right. linger today? Uh, because this is really important. We are approaching another election. And when you talk to Republican voters, in CNN exit polls, half of them don't believe that Joe Biden... Election today. I, I appreciate the fact that she's trying to ask the question, but there will always be questions lingering in the minds of people whose minds have been replaced by thin gray settlings just sloshing around between their ears. Joe Biden stole the election. How? Then how were Republicans also elected in that same election? But Ralph Norman knows that he's on the CNN, and he knows that whatever he says is going to be broadcast far and wide, and that his maggot constituents will see it, even though he endorsed not their god emperor. And so he still has to prop up the tired, worn-out... Election interference, big lie. Brought to you by the Kremlin. Biden legitimately won the election, which he did. And calling for martial law because you have questions about the election, I think most people would agree is subverting the will of voters that you often talk about that are so important. No, I, look, uh, to keep this system honest, photo voter ID, which the Democrats tried to circumvent. They've been trying to, to circumvent that. Uh, what they're doing with the illegal aliens, with the, with the illegal vote, alien. vote, is not right. That's what I'm talking about. What does that have uh, to do making with sure that's you call, every you're vote, call, every, calling for martial law, Kaylin, Congressman? Look, look I texted uh, Mark Meadows. That's the only person. Uh, he didn't have the power. I asked him. Donald Trump was shot, too. He was, was the chief too. of staff at the White um, House. Did he respond to your message that day? I don't think you've ever, ever made clear what his acknowledgement of your message was. 
I don't, you know, I don't think he, everything was going on, everything was so fast, I don't think he did. But the bottom line is we've got to have secure elections and whatever that takes. Uh, there are a lot of questions that still exist. Um, you know, you've seen the lawsuits that, that were there. Uh, but, no, I, um, I wouldn't take it back. I, I misspelled it. I should have taken the time. I was in a hurry. And, uh, but, no, I, I would not. I don't regret that. Those lawsuits were all thrown out. None of them amounted to anything. The only place where they found they miscounted, Biden actually had a bigger margin than he initially did. Congressman, it is striking to hear you say that you stand by asking for martial law to be declared three days before Biden was elected. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we, we talked to you about that. So thank you, Congressman Ralph Norman, for your time tonight. The hog is always going to try to get his front foot in the trough, even though he's politically dead. You're not just politically dead. You're entirely dead to me, Ralphie. And you'll shoot your eye out. Meanwhile, Matt in San Francisco. Hey, Matt. I still have lingering, I still have lingering questions about why ships that sail the ocean don't fall off when they get to the edge. Probably, he probably needs to go over and talk to Joe Rogaine about that because, you know, those man dude bros, they're all the time just, just asking questions, you know, just hanging around, hanging around in the studio, jacking off, just asking questions. I mean, if frequently asked questions are a fact, a, a few AQ, an FAQ, then just asking questions are a jack. Just jacking around, just jacking around. And and when they come back, are they the real ships, Matt? Or are they ships from a different universe? Or or or, or is all that shipping just a giant conspiracy, a big facade. As to Caitlin Collins, Flavio says, I can't believe she started the Daily Caller. I like her, but wow. Norman just confessed to being an insurrectionist. Yes, he did. And isn't he one of those who sought a pardon from Nitwit Nero in the days after January the 6th? Because it seems to me I remember. But then again, isn't the list of maggots who didn't ask for a pardon after January 6th the shorter list? But this being thorn in the side Thursday, well, uh, what could be more fun than a Kali Maganini flip out? Because she did that. Over on Fox News TV Radio Rwanda, Biden campaign surrogate Kevin Walling started bringing up, well, those particular and discreet instances. Really? Discreet? I don't think it. Instances of Nitwit Nero falling apart, cognitive decline. And the problem was the entire segment was supposed to be about Joe Biden's senile, senile, 
because he stutters and has all his life. Oh, poor suffering Kali Maganini. We're going to have a replay of what we saw in 2020. And there's a lot of concerns, actually, that I've seen now recently with Donald Trump on the stuff, You cannot right? compare the two. Absolutely, we can. You know, last night he said he won New Hampshire in the general election. He lost it to Hillary Clinton. Lost it to Joe Biden by seven points. You right? cannot he compare the up, two. Haley, he mixed Polling up Nikki Haley. He mixed up Nikki, Nikki no. Haley and Nancy Pelosi for minutes on end in the speech and came back to it. So there are a lot of verbal miscues. There's a lot of gaps between these two men. Two thirds of the American people problem. think that President Biden is too old. They do not say that about Donald Trump. So you can say this. You can make this argument. People, you can though, excuse the talking points. It's not as high as Joe Biden. But a majority of people feel the same way about Donald Trump. Can I just point out one? Poor Kayli. She's still trying to get her job back in the White House. You know, just in case, if he does get in. She'd like to be White House comms director again, you think. Ooh, or maybe, well, she's probably too, is she too blonde? Maybe she could challenge counsel for the parking garage to be the fourth and final Mrs. Trump. Oh, Daddy, you're such a mess. And poor old Comer Pyle, uh, members of his own party are piling on now. Anonymously speaking to the messenger, about the ongoing failings and miscues and dumbassery of Comer Pyle. Um, one of those anonymous maggots speaking to the messenger said, uh, one would be hard-pressed to find the best moment for James Comer in the oversight committee. It's been a parade of embarrassments. He got embarrassed over the original subpoena because it was invalid as a matter of law and got that handed to him by Hunter Biden's lawyer. Another Republican told the messenger, James Comer continues to embarrass himself and House Republicans. He screws up over and over and over I don't know how the pro I don't know how Republicans actually impeach the president based on his clueless investigation and lack of leadership. Oh, that it, anonymous Republican, he's got a degree in farming from Western Kentucky Stan University. Don't be acting like he ain't smart. He can he knows how to get a shell corporation set up for dodgy land deals. Then an actual maggot, an ally of Nitwit Nero, said, Well, he cast a wide net and caught very little fish. It's a big problem. And voters are getting more and more frustrated with him because they see all this smoke, but they don't see the movement. Oh, poor little maggots, you don't want to see the movement. Matt in San Francisco, subject line decline. 
It's not like 45 started high on the cognitive scale. Problem is, when you start on the negative side of the scale, it takes some people a couple of years to notice that he slipped a bit. Apparently, you have to get all the way to incoherent babbling before the dumbasses start to pick up on the issue. Welcome to the party, mother fellas. Welcome, indeed. And as Arnold pointed out in yesterday's program, some of them can't see it because, well, they're in cognitive decline, too. You got the you get the idea. Even his parents knew he wasn't very smart because even that illegal immigrant, Mary Trump, fresh off the boat from Scotland. What kind of mother has to look at her son and and say, "Oh, who's mama's big boy? Oh, mama's boy has such a big brain." It's a very big brain. Yes, that would be. uh, That yeah, never mind. (laughs) Trying to come up with a name for my cheesy Scottish accent. Well, son of a gun. We're now into the ninth continuous hour of Phil a Rockstering. How about that? Well, just as, and by the way, we've got $300 for this evening, $1,500 for the, to finish the month of January to the good. We are actually on schedule, and Ralph's has a kind $25 challenge out there that would knock 50 bucks off of that. If someone has $25 or some portion thereof, and that would be wonderful. Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I told you about the uh, idea for a T-shirt or signs or whatever for my upcoming campaign. Uh, I'm happy to announce that I had a great conversation this morning with, um, with the, uh, Tara Devlin, Tara Buster, one of my dearest friends. And I described it to her, and she immediately said, oh, I get it, and it's going to be great. So as soon as we have some uh, some mock-ups, some, you know, I don't know, in, uh, as soon as it's in alpha, I'll show it off a little bit. But I think it's going to be really, I think it's going to be really eye-catching. And I think it's a it's a fun little play on words. I'm excited. Started campaigning. Everywhere I go, everybody I interact with, I tell them I'm running. Primaries May 14th. If you're an independent or a Democrat, I sure would love to have your vote. And I've already got a little stump speech going. You know, it's not even a stump speech. It's more the elevator speech. But by way of at least demonstrating, because sometimes I feel like I'm a little unfair. Not much. But a little bit unfair in 
focusing so heavily on the maggots in the maggot states that I can overlook the genuine wackadoodle weirdo freak maggots in the normal states. And here we have one. E. Werner Reschke, which in Merkin is probably E. Werner Reschke, although they don't talk like that in Oregon, do they? Um, he's a member of the Oregon legislature, E. Werner Reschke, and the National Association of Christian Lawmakers has announced that he will be their state chair for Oregon. By the way, you know, Alabama's the Yellowhammer state. West Virginia's the mountain state. What is Oregon? Do you all have a the blank state moniker? Is it the... I mean, I, I, I'm not being smartass. I, it's just one of those things I don't know, and I would like to, just like as a second reference. Here in West Virginia, and then the second reference, people in the Mountain State. What's the what's the what's the line for Oregon? Well, anyway, back to E. Werner Reschke, state chair of the National Association of Christian Lawmakers in Oregon. And that organization is a bunch of genuine maggot dipshits. Their purpose in life is to elect godly leaders in our nation at every level and having our biblical worldview spread across the nation. The head of this Grift is Jason Rapert. Uh, he's a Christian nationalist. That's another way of saying Nazi. So he appeared with Rapert on Save the Nation yesterday. No, no, two weeks ago. It was on Wednesday. Uh, Rapert asked him a qu- the question that got him going. Uh, Rapert asked, why, it's, why is it important for Christians to be involved in government and voting and be a part of authority in, t- in our country? Well, the belfry opened up and the bats flew out. Because they are who they are. Tell people about why you think it's important that Christians should be involved in government and voting and be a part of the authority in our country. What drew you as a Christian to do it, and what would you tell those people that are listening today? Uh, What drew me to it was uh, primarily looking at our history and the men and women who were part of that history in building this nation, whether it's George Washington, whether it was... uh, Madison, whether it was Abraham Lincoln. Wait, where are the women? Did you notice it took Eat Dead to take a beat to say the men uh, and women? 
Washington, Madison, Lincoln. Whether it was Ronald Reagan, uh, who was the first president. Okay, which one of those is the woman? Probably little Jimmy Madison. He was the shortest. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, thank you for the answers. Um, Roger says, what is the old Oregon State motto, Latin for she flies with her own wings? Alice Wolat Propriis was the motto of Oregon from 1854 till it was changed to the Union in 1957. Written by Judge Jesse Quinn Thornton, the original motto was adopted once again by the 1987 legislature. The common one is, and I thought it was going to be, but I, I was I was afraid that I would be, I don't know, running afoul of Sally Ratabom. Uh, Roger says, it's the Beaver State. Tom and Sonny San Rafael said, it's the Beaver State. Irish Dave said, it's the Beaver State. Thank you for, thank you. I, I, I was, like I said, I wanted to go there, but I didn't feel confident about it. The Beavers. Oh, and Theo says, uh, uh, we're the, um, can't remember. The weeds kicked in. The weeds kicked in state. I wonder how many, I mean, how many beavers are left? Wait a minute. Theo, you deserve a cowbell for that. The can't remember the weeds kicked in state. I love that a lot. I can't say the same about E. Werner Reschke, Washington, men and women, Washington, Madison, Lincoln, Reagan. You ever notice how Ulysses Grant doesn't get any love? That's because Ulysses Grant put down a right-wing insurrection about 10 years after the Civil War was over. He had troops go in and whip the shit out of people like E. Werner Reschke. And I got to vote for, um, I, I think, you know, you just go back through history and you look at men and the, the struggles that they faced and the faith that they had. And those are the type of people that you want in government making tough decisions during tough times. You don't want a... Hold on. Ronald Reagan wasn't even a Christian. Nobody ever saw Ronald Reagan walk into a church. Granted, he leveraged evangelical Christianity, but he also leveraged the Klan, but I repeat myself. And no mention of it. I mean, could he not at least mention Nancy? Or Mary Todd? Betsy Ross, for Christ's sakes! Dolly Madison? Where would we be without her snack cakes? 
And by the way, Matt in San Francisco offering a counterpoint to my query about the beaver states. After yesterday's program, just leave the beaver state where it lie. Well, see, that's initially what I did. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Ken. I didn't see it happen. Uh, feel free to try again. Ken tried to call, and I guess I missed it because I was uh, my attention was somewhere else. But I've, I've got the phone sitting here where I'll see it next time you do, or if you do again. Back to Werner Reschke, who thinks Ronald Reagan was a Christian. Tough decisions during tough times. You don't want a materialist. You don't want an atheist. You don't want a Muslim. You don't want, you want somebody who understands what truth is. And I, ah, I pulled up short. Mrs. Reschke probably says that a lot, too. But he did. Now, you don't want an atheist. You don't want a materialist. You don't want an atheist. You don't want a Muslim. You don't want a, and he was about to say Jew. They killed Christ. But then he realized, oh, wait, <laughs> it's a Judeo-Christian religion. Understands the nature of man, the nature of government, and the nature of God. Yeah. If you do yeah. Not even mankind. Man. No need to recognize the nature of women or woman or womankind. God, these yo-yos. Don't understand those things, you're going to get things wrong. And in Oregon, that's a classic example. We have a lot of people who are godless, unfortunately, leading the way, and it's the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Right. Well, then why don't you move to Texas, E. Werner Reschke? Or, 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 or Talabama? I wonder, if, I wonder if this guy's Venn diagram has some over, overlap with maybe the men's rights movement. And that overlaps with the gun humper movement. And that overlaps with misogyny. All those women he can't name. Yep, sorry. No Muslims need apply. No atheists. No, no, no because you've got... And it's not just any Christianity he's talking about. It's the right-wing kind of Christianity. By the way, the NACL, the National Association of Christian Legislators, um, that's the same outfit that invited Mullah Moses Mike Johnson to speak to them at their gala a uh, couple of months or so ago. Do you remember that gala? That's the one where Mullah Mike declared himself to be Moses. Fun people, these. Godless, Matt in San Francisco says, we're not just godless, we're heathens also. Please don't leave out the good part. Pagans? Well, no, the motorcycle gang has that one covered. Don't want to, don't, don't want to run afoul of them. Yeah, heathens, godless. Yeah, that, that'll work nicely. 
the fun part. Thanks, Matt. Um, Irish Dave says, if one includes the greater Idaho part of the Beaver State that seeks to secede and join the Gem State. Now, see, Dave, Matt admonished me and, by extension, the rest of us to just leave the Beaver where it lay. Why? Oh, but not you, Irish Dave. If one includes the greater Idaho part of the beaver state that seeks to secede and join the gem state, would that be what Kurt Vonnegut called a split beaver? <sighs> oh, Dave. The llama is barely ambulatory, Dave. You see what you did? Thanks for those Oregon State facts, Ralphs. I need to read up on that just in case I ever gets to visit. So that's Werner Reschke. And we got so... hung up with those good Christian ladies from Wood County yesterday that we missed out on some uh, some uh, yeah, pretty good prayer meeting stuff. So, hey, it's been a while since we've had a Stupiders sighting. Stew Peters, Stupiders. Um, Stupiders had a hissy over the Satanist Christmas display in the Iowa State Capitol. Stupiders said, "Them creation, them, them, them Satanists ain't got no right to mock Christians." Oh, really? <sighs> really? Because y'all do, they, they do so many mockable things. Let me check my other devices because I've got, I have stories tucked away in so many places. Don't. This one was fun. I like this one a lot. Down in North Carolina, Stan, there's a uh, guy running for the state house down there. Republican, of course. His name is Joseph Gibson III. Or in this case, Joseph Gibson the third. Joseph Gibson, and not name calling here. Joseph Gibson the third is a neo-Nazi. The, the the no doubt about it kind. And of course, as a neo-Nazi, naturally he has 
A string of priors. He's running for a seat in the North Carolina House of Rep- uh, Representatives in Dix, uh, District 65. That's basically Rockingham County, North Carolina, right on the border with Virginia. And over at the Center on Extremism, run by the Anti-Defamation League, they dug around a little bit back in 2022 and found out that, well, Gibson was tied to the National Socialist Movement. That's been around for 10, 20, 30 years. And uh, he, he, of course, has a podcast. I don't think you can be a Nazi in, 20, in 21st century America without a podcast. And he promoted it on the National Socialist Movement website on their networks. And I mentioned this story, for the most part, because you'll recall that every maggot from sea to shining sea is having a hissy about Orange Julius Geezer being potentially removed from the ballot in some states. And maggot secretaries of state are saying, well, we'll remove him from the ballot here, too. Biden, we'll remove Biden. The goddess of irony was listening. And so when Gibson the turd was noted for his Nazism. Hey, thank you, Herman. Yes, the Beaver State. Thank you. I won't be forgetting that. You know, Oregon State's the beavers, Oregon's the ducks. Could have been ducks, could have been beavers, could have been the duck state. No. Duck! Today's reading will come from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Duck! Anyway, the Republicans in North Carolina found out that the ADL had found out that Gibson the Turd was a Nazi. And so they took action in Rockingham County, the Rockingham County GOP, to try to get Gibson the Turd off their ballot. Imagine that, Republicans wanting to remove a Republican from the ballot. You know, just like in Colorado, where not Democrats, but Republicans sued to remove Nitwit Nero from the ballot based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the Insurrection Clause. And this created a great hue and cry and much grunting and moaning. But if you're a Republican, it means that you have a fundamental ability to entertain completely conflicting ideas in, in your little in your in your in your little empty noggin with no conflict whatsoever. 
So, of course, the Rockingham County GOP moved to remove him from the ballot because, well, you know, they have conniptions every time that anyone points out that the Republican Party is, well, Nazi-sympathetic. They're Nazi-adjacent. Just like Ron Monkey Up DeClantis became governor of Florida the first time with the assistance of real live no kidding Nazis. Just like real live no kidding Nazis during his second gubernatorial term uh, held rallies in the state. And Monkey Up didn't say a word about it. Silent as a graven image. And Republicans hate it when they're confronted with the fact that, well, they are, well, they're 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 the political home of Nazis in America. So with the Rockingham, Rockingham County GOP seeking to remove Joseph Gibson the Turd from the from the ballot, the uh, Rockingham Board of Elections held a vote, and the vote was unanimous to disqualify him from running. Based on what? I don't know. Except for the fact that they're... No, they don't like people realizing that, like I said, the Republican Party has a lot of Nazis in it. Well, when they voted to disqualify him, Joseph Gibson III filed an appeal with the State Board of Elections. And this past Tuesday, they said, well, nope. He gets to run. He may have a string of felonies behind him, but his uh, citizenship rights have all been restored. His prison term ended over a decade ago. I wonder if they'd say that with a with a person who was considerably darker than Joseph Gibson the Third. So he's going to stay on the ballot. And being a Nazi, he has posts where he uses racial slurs against black folks. He agrees with posts by other Nazis. He links to the New Socialist, National Socialist Movement posts. Complained about an an angry, evil Jew attacking white protesters. shared a video called Aryan, Our Purpose. The most hilarious part of this story is the response by the Rockingham GOP 
or the North Carolina GOP broadly. The Rockingham Elections Board, the Democrats said, no, 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 keep him on the ballot. He meets all the legal criteria. The Republicans all wanted to throw him off. Because, well, he's a bad, evil Republican. Mango Mussolini, on the other hand, is a good, evil Republican. Daddy. Speaking to WRAL, North Carolina uh, House Republican Caucus Director Stephen Wiley <laughs> said, well, Democrats decided they wanted a Nazi in the Republican primary so that if even one person votes for him, they can say, look, Republicans vote for Nazis. Well, more than one person's going to vote for him, Stephen Wiley, Coyote. Here, have some Acme rocket skates. They're deeply in denial. The North Carolina Board of Elections isn't exactly comprised of a whole bunch of Democrats that can outvote the Republican. No. They're civil servants, and being North Carolina, they're probably mostly Republicans. So Joseph Gibson the third is going to stay on the ballot. And we should probably watch and see how many votes he gets. He probably won't win his party's nomination for that North Carolina State House seat. But he'll get votes. Lots and lots of votes. The thing is, North Carolina has kind of a history of having Nazi Republicans on the ballot. All the way back to 1980, Harold Covington, who was the leader of the National Socialist Party of America. Think of him in the role of Henry Gibson in the Blues Brothers. in that car, Thelma and Louise style, looking at his fellow Nazi and saying, I've always loved you. I think the other guy said, I've always loved you. Was there a kiss? But, but yes, Harold Covington ran for attorney general in North Carolina. Not only did he run, he got 43% of the vote statewide in North Carolina. and won 45 of North Carolina's 100 counties outright. Nah, Republicans aren't. That's unfair. Y'all all time calling us Nazis just because we got Nazis in our party. Sucks to be them. And uh, by the way, we got about 28 minutes left in the program. 28 minutes to keep this from being a goose egg program. Yeah, Arnold, what a fucking clown. 
And the funny thing is, I'm not entirely sure when that message came in, so it could be any number of clowns. It could be Stupiders. It could be E. Werner Rischke. It could be Joseph Gibson the Turd. Help a girl out, Arnold. But you're still correct. Sorry, I'm waiting on a sneeze. Not kidding, it's really warm. Something's blooming. Damn it. And there was more grunting and moaning and whatever from Nitwit Nero today. Uh, Ralph says, come on, people. I want to pay. As of yesterday... And this is from Newsweek. Uh, in a filing in the Florida case about him stealing national secrets, uh, in a, uh, well, Chris Kyes, who is presently busy in New York, well, he still uh, found time to gripe at Nitwit Nero's uh, ringer, Aileen Cannon. He griped that uh, the Press Coalition, well, the Press Coalition is a group of media outlets that want the release of documents in the documents case. And Chris Kai said, Counsel for the Press Coalition claimed that the timing of the communications was reasonable and in conformity with the local rules because the matter was briefed and pending. That's simply wrong. Yeah, even though his lawyers didn't oppose releasing the documents. And, uh, <laughs> Kai's uh, wrote, President Trump's, he's paid to call him president, Consideration of whether he should object, consent, or take no position as to press coalition's motion or any other application should not be rushed, particularly as he is both actively campaigning for the Republican presidential nomination and participating in a civil jury trial in the Southern District of New York. Participating, doing a whole lot of work there. Uh... I'm moving the stress line phone, so if it, keep, it keeps, I don't know if somebody's trying to call or not. But the point is, um, they didn't pose the release. It, nonetheless, Anything, any complaint, anything at all to keep from having to try the case. Oh, we got to we, we got to slow this down. He's running for president, you know. That's unfair. 
just think, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be being tried if he, uh, well, if he hadn't stolen the documents. And so, counsel for the press coalition is saying, "Look, uh, judge, uh, we understand there's going to be redactions and withholdings." But we'd really appreciate it if you'd make sure they're necessary before the redacting and withholding starts. Because the press coalition wants them to be narrow as possible. Chris Kais, however, would like them to would 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 like them to be well, just impossible to be released. What you scared of, Chrissy? Can't help but wonder. And there's another trial going on. It's a uh, civil corruption trial in New York State. Oh, wait, what is it? the Beaver State. Let's go back to that. Hey, Tom. Uh, of course, the University of Oregon teams are the Ducks, and the Oregon State University teams are the Beavers. Uh, way back when I attended the U of O, also at the time sometimes referred to as UC Eugene, UC Eugene, in the 70s, there was a common saying around campus, fuck a duck, eat a beaver. Sorry to leave the llama collapsed on its side, gasping for air, I'll let myself out. <laughs> oh, oh. Thanks for that, Tom. Sonny San Rafael. No, the um, NRA is all wrapped up in a civil corruption trial in New York. And all of it, a lot of it turns on the behavior of uh, Wayne the Peter, who lived large on the NRA dime. A photo comes to mind of a D.C. area condo. And in the photograph, a an absolutely stunning young woman floating on an air mattress in a crystal blue swimming pool. Well, Wayne the Peter has already testified, and that was its own that was its own moment. And Wayne the Peter is in fact a defendant in this civil corruption trial. And lo and behold, who shows up on the stand? But Ollie North. Fine Christian, former Marine, up to his eyeballs in the Iran-Contra scandal, convicted and then exonerated on appeal in criminal charges. They actually put him on the stand in this corruption trial because he was president of the NRA for 
a little bit less than a year before even he ran away from that dirty, dodgy, blood-soaked organization. Also ruble-infused. Ollie said he got worried about financial improprieties at the National Ruble Rifle Association. Imagine that, Ollie North being upset about, worried about financial improprieties. Let's all recall that the Iran-Contra scandal was all about financial improprieties, many of which were committed by Ollie North. The NRA was filthy. And North said that in February 2019, uh, he asked John Fraser, the general counsel for the NRA, who is also a defendant in the case, uh-oh, for legal invoices. And John Fraser said, nope, not going to give them to you. Boss man Wayne the Peter told me not to. North, what, wagging his arms in the air, said, we want to bring in a respect, a reputable outside firm to do an audit of not just the brewer bills, but of the whole mess. What we were trying to do was throw you a lifeline. Special counsel to the New York Attorney General, oh, there's Letitia James doing her job again, said, uh, what was your reaction to LaPierre's personal expenses? And Ollie North, who knows a little bit about financial corruption and uh, living large off the public dime or the corporate dime or the White House dime or the RNC dime or the slush fund dime or Manu Chair Gorbanifar's dime, said, I was stunned. This was corruption. Well, it must be corruption. If even Ollie North can see it. Uh, I was still trying to save Wayne LaPierre, a friend's job. That's why I was throwing him a lifeline. A lot of this term turns on a sketchy law firm called the Brewer Firm. Ollie said he sent a note to, uh, uh, to Wayne the Peter in February 2019. And said he was concerned about invoices over, of over $100,000 in expenses. Wayne the Peter replied to his friend who had thrown him this lifeline by sending a cease and desist letter and said, nope, ain't going to let the brewer bills out. Ali, who famously showed up to the Iran-Contra hearing in his Marine officer's uniform alongside a lawyer named Sullivan, who complained to the Congress, I am not a potted plant. God, I remember that so well. Um, according to Ali, Wayne said, Brewer's the reason why I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in an orange jumpsuit. 
and doing the more in pity than in anger shtick, Ali said, He's now in a situation I never wanted to see him in, and glanced over at Wayne the Peter. The brewer firm, meanwhile, was trying to do some damage control. They sent a statement to CNN after inquiry. And uh, Andrew Arunalanandam, Arulanandam, there we go. Takes me a minute. Andrew Arulanandam of the NRA said, uh, The firm's bills have always been reviewed, vetted, and approved at the highest levels of the organization, period. So the NRA is doing the spokesmaning for the Brewer firm, still. And by the way, Andrew Arulanandam uh, is going to be the new interim CEO of the National Ruble Association. So, well, congratulations, Andrew. You get to bathe in the blood of men, women, and children every day as long as you remain in that position. And Ollie, who is, I don't know what degree to which he's saving his own skin. Ollie is a professional saving his own skin guy. Said that, uh, uh, I, I was probably not hired according to the rules of the NRA. I wasn't properly hired. Um, I think Wayne ignored the. Audit committee. Of course, it should have been approved. That's the rules. They retroactively approved my contract, he said, trying to dodge again. And then the uh, lawyer, uh, attorney, well, assistant attorney general Con- Connell said, uh, uh, you know, people have suggested you attempted a coup at the NRA. It never happened. You know, just like Iran-Contra. All a big-faced lie. Big-faced? Isn't it bald-faced? Yeah, at Dr. Freud. All a big-faced lie. This whole thing was concocted along the lines of being a coup participant and spreading nasty rumors about Mr. LaPierre, which is the last thing I'd done. Weird shit happens like that when people are lying on the stand. They wind up trying to lie, and then they tell the truth. Being a coup participant, and listen to these words, being a coup participant and spreading nasty rumors about Mr. LaPierre, which is the last thing I'd done. That language confesses that he did it while trying the whole time to say that he didn't not neither. Attorney General Connell said, uh, Did you consider yourself a whistleblower? I certainly became one. Or, you know, a stool pigeon. Or a snitch. Also things that he has a 
history of experience doing. I hope it doesn't hurt too, uh, too little. And then just uh, a couple of little things to wrap up. For starters, there's a guy who used to be CEO of Google. His name is Eric Schmidt. Now that he's not at Google, he's working on a startup. It's just a little company. The name of the company is White Stork. White Stork. And uh, there was earlier reporting from Forbes magazine. And what Eric Schmidt wants to do at White Stork is build, and and there there are differences of opinion. Some people are like, well, you know, AI is no big deal. And then there's the other side of the coin, wherein AI is the coming apocalypse. Well, this story kind of leans toward the coming uh, coming apocalypse part. What White Stork wants to do, and by extension Eric Schmidt, is to build military attack drones that are, wait for it, run by AI. And in classic corporate form, White Stork, in turn... Is uh, the is is part of uh, a bunch of LLCs. It began life as Swift Beat Holdings. Last September, changed to White Stork Group. Swift Beat Holdings, in turn, is owned by another holding company, Volia Robotics OU. And Schmidt is the only beneficial owner since last September. See, he sat from 2016. Remember we were talking about the blacklists, the Trumpian blacklists earlier, and anybody who gave money to Nikki Haley was going to be blacklisted from the trough? Well, apparently Eric Schmidt was a maggot loyalist. In 2016, Eric Schmidt became the chairman of the DOD's Innovation Board, and he held that through 2020. And what he wants to do is build, like I said, 
military attack drones that use huh, AI for targeting. Welcome to Skynet. He gave an interview to Wired and said, Einstein wrote a letter to Roosevelt in the 1930s saying there's this new technology, nuclear weapons that could change war, which it clearly did. Yeah, because we dropped nuclear atomic devices on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No one else has ever done that. I would argue that AI-powered autonomy and decentralized distributed systems are that powerful. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, hey. Ken finally found his uh, found his way in. Hey, Ken, how are you? Oops, wrong button. There you are. Hey, Ken. Hi, Robin. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. Um, boy, I... I tried calling several times. <coughs> oh wait, <coughs> excuse me. I tried calling a few times uh, on the stretch line. It sent me like almost straight to voicemail, so that was kind of odd. And I didn't. Yeah, that is strange. I, I need to maybe it, maybe I need to reboot it. Um, yeah, because it's, it's the number was different from the phone number, so that didn't seem right. What? Eight four four eight four three four six seven six. Yeah, the email said like three three zero zero. Don't don't zero, don't. No, but I don't know what that is. But whatever it's giving, don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. So well, hopefully, I didn't harass somebody else. But um, <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Shit. No, I. I was trying to find a way in, and I wanted to tell you about that. So um, maybe, yeah, it's, it's, maybe that's why you've been doing so long of filler rock. Yeah, we're close. We're we're close to the end of my ninth yeah. hour of filler rock string. So maybe maybe somebody tried did call in and hadn't figured out why. So uh, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, I did want to go back to Nikki Haley for a second. Do please. Um, no, I when I uh, was there an echo? No. Okay. All right. Maybe uh, uh, maybe I'm on a flashback. Um, <laughs> no, I think maybe she's gonna hang on through the. Through the the whole thing, just to see what happens. This guy, like Todd said, he he, he might not make it. There's a really good chance, but he ain't gonna make it. It's looking uh, that way, but uh, but the thing is, I'll bet you, given that they're all maggot loyalists, except for the people behind, you know, Nimrata. Yeah, yeah, but they, then they probably they probably got a they probably got a backup plan. For just in case, and who knows, may, because there are rules inside the various parties. Yeah. And if he, you know, if, if he does go down, they probably got somebody in mind, and it may be, it may be something, somebody that we're not even uh, uh, cognizant of. 
known unknowns? Unknown, un- yes, known unknowns and unknown knowns and garden knowns. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you can do better. <laughs> no, be, uh, actually, uh, that fucking asshole, um, he was kind of right. There, there are known unknowns. <laughs> yeah. There vari- there's variables that that are in the equation of uh, life that you can't foresee. Unless you're, uh, you know, Trump. <laughs> what a dumbass. And, oh, yeah, you know, Fetterman's kind of bummed me out. Yeah. Me- I remember I remember saying, you know, I was all excited to vote for him. And, and it was like, oh, he's just another fucking politician. Ack. <laughs> Ack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Wow, I never heard somebody pronounce this PBLTH over and over again. PBLTH. But I don't like spitting all over my uh, keyboard. So. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> hey, you got to play that song again. Which I one? I want to see your pussy. Oh, that's... Ah... <laughs> uh... I don't know if oh I can even find God, it now. That's hilarious. Oh. oh, oh shit! Did you enjoy yesterday? <laughs> I did. I was kind of grossed out a little bit, but <laughs> I was like blushing. Like you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just. A little I was bad. in the room when it happened. Oh, I know. Oh, my God, I I would have burst out fucking laughing. I cannot imagine you could have composed yourself. No, it, it, no, it was, it was, it was more. It, we shouldn't have been shocked, but we were. Yeah, and everybody was just like, "What? Huh? Huh? Huh?" It was the saddest laugh. <laughs> <laughs> this shit, pussy. What the fuck? <laughs> well, I, 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 I dare, I dare say, uh, erotic. I, I dare say that was. I mean, there were a lot of firsts yesterday. Uh, that yeah. one word was said more times on the on, in, in the in the West Virginia House of Delegates than it had ever been said before. And I'd even bet that maybe it was the first time the word butt plug had ever been used in those hallowed halls. Yeah, I often don't speak those words ever. Um, yeah, you do whatever you guys want to do. Uh, doesn't involve me. Cool. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Not taking cards in that game. It's okay. Yep, yep, yep. Unless you're a crazy Christian and, you know, take it and shove it up your ass. <laughs> whatever. I don't know what you say. <laughs> oh, you kinky, kinky Christians. Yeah. Hair mm-hmm. shirts. Barbed wire wrapping and whip beating yourself. Hair shirts. God. Remember Jimmy Carter days? They were beating their. I showed over and over on the TV, and they're beating their backs with chains. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, as to your request that I play that, that song, Matt in San Francisco just said, make it the new intro to the show. 
Oh, man, don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah, your intro kind of needs... Uh, yeah, it does. Well, and and I'm working on it. Um, uh, we're, yeah, we're, I know. I know you guys, you're so busy. And you're running now. But so... And yeah, I kind of wish... You were talking... I kind of, I kind of wish we were, I kind of, I kind of wish we were like, you know, say, Canudlia and Mary Oldie Engeland. You know, in those countries, you don't run for election, you stand for it. Wow. Can you but sit? here in America, we run. Running sucks. Uh, by the way, Matt in San Francisco, with a further observation, Matt is, of course, the den mother of the horn. Butt plug should only be focused between you and your partner and the sales clerk. Oh. <laughs> Look, this this one vibrates and whistles. You see, there, there, there I was trying to be all sober sides for a thorn in the side Thursday, and no, we're going to... I had to ruin it for yeah. you. No, you didn't ruin it. You just, you know, we took the oh, program yeah. back where it all too easily sometimes falls, and that's okay. Make sure everybody gets, keeps on their diet. <laughs> well, Ken, I've just entered my 10th consecutive hour of filler oxtering, and I'm going to wrap this up. Yeah, I'm glad to end it for you. Uh, so there's a big climactic happy ending for you. Yes, climactic. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. <laughs> All right. Peace, love you, and peace to the family. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. Ken, just helping out by uh, breaking the filler rockster. Um, String. Oh, and uh, a little something from Brother uh, Brother Deacon Asa. Just to put a bow on this all. I was mentioning Eric Schmidt. Prior to prior to the ascension of Nitwit Nero. To. Uh, the, the the White House. In an article from BuzzFeed News from January 30th, 2017, Eric Schmidt said the Trump administration will do evil things. He was talking at the time about the Muslim ban way back in those heady days. Brother Deacon Asa noting they sure do turn on a dime, don't they? Yeah, they do. Quite often more than a dime. All right, you miscreants. You want to play with pussy all the time. To hide that kind of pussy is a crime. You say you're pussy, clever, and so slick. But I think that your butthole's kind of sick. I want to be a professional with the Okay, you happy? Maybe you should, uh, Matt. Maybe it shouldn't be the uh, intro. Maybe it should be the program close. 
Oh, there's a murder hornet just waiting for me in hell. All right, everybody, thank you. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to everybody. Hey, thank you again, James, for getting us caught up and making sure that we don't wind up with a half a month of funding deficit. I cannot ever thank you enough. That was huge. I didn't think about Appalachian Power today. That was lovely. Thanks to all of our a la carte contributors, our challenge makers. Ralphs will carry her challenge over to tomorrow or until it is met. So let's get together for Friday on the front porch and work on a miracle tomorrow. Thanks to each and every one of you who... Uh, oh, well, thank you. Kevin in Colorado Springs is going to meet the challenge. Uh, he's having some issues with PayPal right now. God knows. Well, thank you. So we're actually going to be down to uh, 1440, 1440 to finish fundraising for January. Thank you, Kevin. That's tremendous. Thank you so much. And like I said, thanks to each and every one of you who shares your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you, Roger, in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, please like and subscribe to the podcast if you're a podcast listener. Like each episode. Offer up a comment here and there. Thank you to those of you who are, who are doing so. Thank you for helping increase the visibility of the program on the platforms. It's making a it's making an impact. We've gone up by something like an additional 2,000 downloads per week, which means like an extra 300 per per program. Brother Deacon Asa was right. It does make a difference. Thanks, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. Ooh, it's time for me to put up my birthday fundraiser on Facebook. I need to do that. Thanks for reminding me. Please stay safe. Get your booster if you haven't already. Be part of the 15, 15 uh, sensible percent of this country. Get your flu shot, get your RSV if you can, get your pneumonia shot. Uh, depending on where you are, you might want to ask your doctor if your measles, if your old measles vaccine from when you were a kid is still effective. These maggots have so many different ways of spreading disease, so many different spread uh, diseases to spread. Wear your mask if you're around them. It's really a good idea. And if you're in big groups, wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance. And again, if a good Christian lady comes toward you talking about the proper way to perform various sex acts, avoid her like the plague, because she is. And always, 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 Gina. 
It's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.